This is A Beggar Who Found Bread, and I'm Brad Alexander, your host and beggar who found bread, hoping to let others know where they can find it. It's right in the word of Adonai, the scriptures, the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, the son of the living God, Adonai Elohim. This episode, The Creeper. You can credit Molly Hatchett for the title of this one. The Creeper is off of their 1978 self-titled debut album, and it tells the story of an ambiguous, sly, crafty villain. One verse says, he's tall, he's short, he's fat, he's thin. He's out for vengeance, he's out to win. The road he walks is dark and dim. Don't let him catch you out on a limb. For my money... Molly Hatchet is the best Southern rock band of all time. And I know there's a bunch of Leonard Skinner fans out there who just swallowed their skull and burst the bands on their Western wear hats. Leonard Skinner is the greatest, blah, blah. The Van Zants are blah, blah. Freebird. Don't detonate that ridiculously oversized belt buckle that your more ridiculously oversized beer gut somehow covers, okay? Ease back on the reins, cowboy. That's my opinion. And it's my preference. Molly Hatchet had heavier guitars, Danny Joe Brown's deep, gruff, bluesy vocals, and, I mean, come on, their album art was so cool. Lots of heroic fantasy stuff on there. The first three albums were uh, artwork by Frank Frazetta. You can check those out whenever you want. All right, enough of that already. It's not about the music, it's about the message, partner. The Creeper. This episode is an amendment to or a clarification of a statement that I've made on a couple of occasions, and I want to make sure I'm not walking back my statement, but I want to make sure I don't leave the wrong impression by what I said. In the episodes, The Ultimate Sin, as well as Conundrum, and there may be others as well, I've said that when a person walks away from the faith it will be an almost violent defiance to the things of God. And what the, the impression I don't want to leave is that it would be an abrupt, drastic, instantaneous, sudden change that occurs seemingly out of nowhere. Because these situations usually develop over time. Things creep in. As Genesis 3.1 describes, but the serpent was shrewder than any animal of the field that Adonai Elohim made. Our enemy, the adversary, is crafty, sly, subtle, and sneaky. Our behaviors and habits are developed over time, little by little. We often say things like, well, that'll never happen to me. When we see, you know, a person living on the streets steeped in addiction, that's not, that's never going to happen to me. Or someone overdoses and dies and people will say, well, that's not going to be me. I'm more careful than that. That's all the serpent of old wants. That's all he wants us to think. Oh, That's not going to happen to me. I'm okay. See, he plants seeds of doubt regarding the word of Adonai. Did God really say you'll die if you eat that fruit? Then we rationalize our behavior in our minds. Huh. Well, God, he couldn't have meant that. That doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense. And the serpent assures us, surely you won't die. We eat and we don't immediately physically expire or we 
try some kind of a drug and we didn't instantly go insane from it or try jumping off of a building or we didn't become consumed by lust from watching one pornographic video. We didn't get AIDS when we engaged in a risky behavior. So we justify that God couldn't have meant what he said. The Song of Solomon says that it's the small foxes that spoil the vines. Typically, it starts with a small step, a sampling of something that opens the door. We don't usually just jump in with both feet to something completely unknowing. We warm up to things, like we've talked about in the past, the frog with the boiling water. If the pot's already boiling, the frog wants nothing to do with it. Frog's going to do everything to get away from it. But put the frog in a pot of room temperature water, slowly turn the heat up, and it will boil. It will cook to death, just fat and happy sitting in there. And while that heat's getting turned up, others see the frog in the pot and are like, hey, he's in that pot of water and he seems okay. I think I'm going to try that too. Adam and Eve didn't personally experience physical death for a long time after the fall, after they sinned and disobeyed God. They did experience spiritual death immediately. The wages of sin is death. And they witnessed physical death when their one son, Cain, murdered one of their other sons, Abel. So they witnessed it. They saw what, what happened as a result of their fall. The wages of sin is death. The serpent is the shrewdest of all creatures. He's not going to convince a follower of Messiah to one day instantly start worshiping Buddha. No, he steals seeds of God's word from hard hearts. He plants seeds of tares and weeds to slowly choke out the word of Adonai as Yeshua described in the parable of the sower. Think about also Yeshua's interaction with Satan, Satan, the adversary. After Messiah had fasted 40 days and nights, the sly serpent attempted to use God's word. He used it out of context, but there was truth in it because he was quoting scripture, which is truth. From Matthew 4, verse 5, then the devil took him into the holy city and placed him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, Ben Elohim, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall command his angels concerning you, and upon their hands they shall lift you up, so that you may not strike your foot against a stone. Yeshua said to him, again it is written, you shall not put Adonai your God to the test. So the enemy first tries to cast doubt and even attempts to elicit a proud response from Yeshua. If you are the son of God, if you really are who you say you are, then do these things. Because this is what it says in Psalm 91. He uses scripture, truth. But Yeshua is the word made flesh. He knows the spirit of the word. He is the word. He counters the adversary with God's word, you shall not put Adonai, your God, to the test. And then, of course, the adversary tries once more, only to be stopped again by the word of Adonai. Game, set, match. Head out.
Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15. And no wonder, for even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It is no great thing, therefore, that if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be according to their deeds. Satan, the adversary, masquerades as an angel of light, and so do his servants. Who does Paul say his servants are? Satan's servants. Does he say they're demons? Does he say they are fallen angels? Well, let's look back at verse 13 and bring the context. For such men are false emissaries, deceitful workers, masquerading as Messiah's emissaries. And no wonder, for even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It is no great thing, therefore, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their deeds." False teachers, false prophets, wolves, as some scriptures describe them. They take portions of the truth, remove the context, creating a subtext for pretext, twisting the truth, twisting the meaning of the scriptures. The end result being destruction. The end product is men and women who were once drawn to a faith in God through Messiah Yeshua, who end up living in ways diametrically opposed to the ways of Adonai. 2 Thessalonians 3 talks about a falling away that will occur before the day of the Lord comes. That phrase in English, falling away, is the Greek word apostasia, which means to depart from the state of. From the word of God, comes creation. Amen? God spoke, and it was. To depart from God's word is to depart from the state of being God designed. We are born again of the word, incorruptible seed, Peter calls it. Born again of the word. We are recreated by his word. For one to fall away, to depart from that state of being. To depart from the word of Adonai Elohim is to depart from that state of being. Though the end result may be blatantly obvious and violently opposed to God's ways, as I've said in the past, it usually creeps in little by little. Yeshua talked in Matthew 24 about the falling away also. At that time, many will fall away. Through Ephesians, Philippians, 2 Timothy, 2 Thessalonians, and, and more, we are told, we are warned to be on our guard, to study, to show ourselves approved of God, to watch and pray, to take up the whole armor of God. Our enemy and his servants are at war and they are subtly trying to creep in and we must be prepared to face what they bring our way. How will we know the subtle creeping in of the adversary? By knowing God's word, the whole of scripture. We must be well familiarized with the Torah, God's law. 
Oh, here he goes again talking about the law. Why is this guy always talking about the law? Listen, you want teachers who don't talk about the law of God? There are plenty. You can walk up to the roulette wheel blindfolded and spin it. And you're most likely going to find, you're going to land on a teacher who doesn't talk about God's law. There's 38 spaces on a roulette wheel. Nowadays, about 30 or more of those spaces are filled by teachers and preachers that treat the law like an awkward, embarrassing relative that's hard to explain. Okay? Listen to me, please. Think about this. How are we to know what is good, godly behavior, holy behavior that that God has called us to? It's in the New Testament, okay? There are passages. Many will teach the two most important commandments Yeshua pointed out to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Yeshua said, All the law and prophets hang from these two. Should we not then know the law and the prophets? All the law and the prophets, since they're what hang from those two, to properly apply loving God and loving our neighbor. You see, what has crept into the church is all we need to do are these two commandments with no context, no definition. Our society, and you know this is true, our society has redefined love, we've redefined hate, we've redefined marriage, and we've even redefined life. We've redefined gender. So no one, so, so listen, one, one can easily support someone making bad decisions, engaging in unhealthy behaviors, or living a lifestyle contrary to Torah, to God's word, and say, I'm loving my neighbor. See how happy they are? God says he chastises those he loves. His word is for correction and reproof. So how do we know right from wrong if we don't know what he calls right and wrong? Churches today, just they don't simply tolerate what God opposes. We encourage it. We celebrate it. That is apostasy. That is a departure from a state of being. The frogs are boiling to death and calling out to others, come on in, the water is fine. Loving Adonai, Elohim, the Lord our God, with all our heart, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves is truth. There is enough ambiguity in those two commands that people can determine for themselves what that means. Well, this is how I love God, and this is how I love my neighbor. Should we not better know what Adonai says about it? How the living God defines it in his word. He spells it out in the Torah so we don't have to figure it out for ourselves and make it up as we go along. I encourage you, study to show yourselves approved of God. Because I'm telling you that we have churches that are performing same-sex marriages. We have churches that are paying for and supporting women having abortions. That should not be. But they believe they're loving their neighbor because they have no context. 
They think because they're making someone feel good about themselves, this is, this is how I love my neighbor. They feel good about themselves. No. If we're doing something wrong, we should not feel good about what we're doing. And how do we know if it's wrong or if it's right? He spells it out in the Torah. It's in his word. The Apostle Paul wrote, don't give the devil a foothold. Our enemy is subtle. He is crafty, shrewd, and deceptive. We cannot let him creep in. The first step, as always, is to begin a relationship with Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, through Messiah Yeshua. It is by grace that we are saved through faith in him. We are born again when we recognize our sinful, unclean state in God's holy, set-apart presence. We repent of our sin, which is we have lived our lives contrary to him, contrary to his word. We have denied him by how we live our lives in opposition to his word. We repent, turn away from the old life and turn to God to live for him. He has offered the atoning sacrifice, his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, the perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice offered for our sin. We declare Yeshua as Lord, master of our lives. We repent of our sin and in doing so, we no longer live for ourselves. We declare him as Lord of our lives, which means we will live as he has called us to live. We die to ourselves. We yearn and seek to follow in his footsteps, living as Yeshua lived. And he lived in perfect love and in obedience to Adonai Elohim, to God and his law. He is the bread of life. Only he satisfies. So let us let others know where to find the bread that satisfies forever. Messiah, Yeshua. Let's go out and give him heaven. Let's live by God's spirit. Let us live how he has called us to live in his word. Let us not be of those who fall away, who depart from the faith. Let us all the more as the day approaches, study to show ourselves approved of God. Let us dig into his word. Let us be familiar with his ways that we can live them and that we can know the subtle attacks of the enemy and be prepared to thwart them with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Hallelujah. Thank you again for your time. Let's go out and give them heaven. Shalom.